What if there are true prophecies that President Trump will get a second term? Does that mean we should vote for him regardless of how we feel? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, we're, we're back in the studio, live, thrilled to be back here with phone lines open 866-34-TRUTH, 866-3487-884, the number to call. We'll cover a bunch of important subjects today, but phone lines are open for any question you have for us, anything you want to call in, talk to me about. If you differ with me, want to let me know why, <clears throat> by all means, give us a call. All right. Uh, let me know, everyone that's watching on Facebook and YouTube and can give me instant feedback. Can you tell that I just walked out of the dentist's office literally 49 minutes ago? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll make appointments based on, okay, when I have to be at the studio or when I have to be somewhere else. And I was getting preparation for a crown in the back left side of my mouth. And as I was going into that, I thought, wait a second, <laughs> you didn't plan out. Again, once again, the Novocaine wearing off. So let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. All right. Kai, listening very carefully, can barely tell just slightly. So uh, let me know. If, if I didn't, all right, if I didn't tell you that I had just come out from the dentist less than 55 zero minutes ago, would you have known that I was pushing through the Novocaine to articulate properly and not to sound like, I'm kind of, right, not to sound like that. Okay. Yeah. So let me know if we sound all right. Give me a thumbs up or show me some, some love over on YouTube. Maybe it'll just be certain syllables or consonants that, that will get a little, little butchered today. All right. All right. Enough with that. Uh, <clears throat> Veterans Day today. I want, want to talk about Donald Trump prophecies back in the news. Don't want to talk about impeachment hearings. I've told you why. When there are key things I want to weigh in, I will. But this is not primarily conservative talk radio, just focusing in on daily commentary on politics. When we feel we have something important to bring, we bring it in particular a kingdom perspective, in particular, a prayerful perspective, in particular, something that will edify you and build you up and help you sort through the issues. As we, brothers and sisters in the Lord, followers of Jesus, with our different perspectives and backgrounds and and perceptions, as we try to walk together before God in a way that honors Him, which means listening to each other, which means being quiet before the Lord, which means not being reactionary. Our goal is not to get better ratings. Our goal is to have a better impact, a deeper impact, a more lasting impact. That's our goal. If we want to reach more people, it's not to generate more income. Instead, we try to generate more income to reach more people because that's why we're here. So I'm not just going to say something controversial because it's controversial. Oh, maybe this will go viral. That's, that's the way the flesh operates. That's the way the world operates. I'll do my best to be sensitive to the Lord and sensitive to your needs and see where I can best help you here on the line of fire as your voice of moral sanity and 
spiritual clarity in the midst of a society and chaos in a church all too often in compromise. So it is Veterans Day today here in America, and it's a day when we honor and salute those who've served in the military. Both my mom and dad served in World War II. Both of them deceased now, but they served in World War II. My dad in more of a combat area. My, my mom obviously weren't doing combat as a woman back then, serving in more of a secretarial uh, role in, in another part of the world. In any case, they're both vets, and many of you are vets that are listening. Some of you have really suffered for your country. Some of you are family members of vets, and you have suffered for our country. So thank you. Thank you from my heart and all the rest of our hearts. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for working to help us preserve our freedoms and and helping others in other countries preserve their freedoms. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was doing TV broadcast for Cornerstone uh, Network in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh. And one of my drivers happened to mention how he loved... uh, going to Steeler games, and and it was just a way of life for him, watching games every week. He was a vet himself, and this was during the anthem protests, and when the Steelers, with the exception of one player, didn't come out of the tunnel for the national anthem, he thought, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I've sacrificed for us to have these freedoms. That's dishonoring. And my thing about those protests was, hey, you have a platform as players, you're athletes, you're respected, you're loved, you're admired. Use the platform to get a message out if there's injustice, if there are racial issues that you think America needs to look at. By all means, use your platform to draw attention to real issues, but don't do something that others will perceive as unpatriotic, that others will perceive as dishonoring. It'll only hurt your cause. That that was my counsel, and I had some input through one, one player and, and his input to other players. In any case... He said that what he was amazed with, this has been a way of life for him for decades, is that he was immediately fine, just no big deal. Didn't matter to him that much, and he thought he'd go through more withdrawal. I said, what do you do now? Well, it helps his wife out, things like that. And then he was telling me, this driver, that his brother had 28 season tickets for the Steelers, that he accumulated these over a period of years, 28 Seasons tickets. I don't know how much it, it costs for a ticket, but you know, if, if you live, say, in Green Bay and you, you want to get season ticket for the Packers, basically there's such a long waiting list that what I understand is, say, when your kid is born, as soon as there's a Social Security number, you enroll your kid with the hope that by the time your kid is 20 or 30, a, a ticket might open up. That's the, the level of devotion that there is in certain cities for their teams. So, he said... His brother had accumulated 28 season tickets and that they would go ahead like an RV or something. They would go and tailgate before the game. For those not familiar with that, you, you, know, you hang out, you get there a few hours early, you cook, you know, barbecue, you do things, get ready for the game. Then you go in for the game. So it's this whole big day event. And because there's 16 games uh, over the year, that means there are eight home games. And if there are playoffs, that's another thing. So it's, it's, you know, it's not something that happens all that often. And he said that when, when the Steeler team basically boycotted the anthem as, almost as a whole one Sunday, he said his brother got rid of all the tickets, sold all the tickets, and hasn't been back since, and doesn't miss it. So that was my concern all along, that 
this would be perceived, the flag protests, in a way that seemed unpatriotic, as opposed to saying, hey, I love America, I'm grateful to be in America, but there are concerns about injustice, there are concerns about systemic racism, there are concerns about things that, that much of the country is oblivious to, and we want to draw those to your attention. And, and we want to celebrate the flag, but it feels different to us than to you. And, and therefore, we want to get a message out. Again, my concern was if you get it out a certain way, it will seem unpatriotic, even if that's not your goal. So here, this gentleman just sharing this with me. Again, that's how it was perceived. But back to soldiers. I, I want to talk about this and then apply this to us spiritually. All right, and if you have a question, comment on this or anything else, uh, we did Twitter questions on Friday because of my ministry schedule in Kansas City this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We, we pre-recorded three special broadcasts. I, I trust that you were blessed and helped and edified and encouraged by them. But I didn't take calls. So phone lines are open, 866-34-TRUTH. For anything you want to ask me, just like you would on a Friday, or anything else you want to comment, if you want to push back about the flag protests, I'm, I'm happy to do that. But last year, I was recording in Branson, Missouri, a TV show, and my driver had served in Afghanistan, and he was with special ops and you know these dangerous missions and, and things, and we were talking, and I asked him about, did he, did he see people, friends, colleagues, how often were there casualties, people dying, and he said, well, we're expendable assets, and I thought, that is quite a concept. I mean, here, obviously, every life counts, and those in the military care about soldiers and, and, and Marines and Air Force and Navy, and you know, they care about the troops. And obviously, the, one of the worst jobs as a president is having to write the letters to the family members when, when someone has died in service or, or call or things like that. Or, or welcome back the caskets. I mean, this must be very traumatic for any leader to have to, to do. And yet, here was someone that served as, as a soldier. And he said, we were expendable assets. In other words, there's a mission. And to accomplish the mission, you have assets, and the assets are expendable. So here, let, let me go to a, an absolute extreme and say that if, if you are shooting to kill terrorists— you have bullets, so you're going to shoot bullets, and you're not going to get the bullets back. You're going to have to shoot a certain number of bullets to kill the terrorists. Or if there's some facility that's, that, that's manufacturing bombs, and you're going to bomb it. All right, so you're going to, you know, maybe that bomb costs several hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what they cost. You're going to drop that bomb, and it's, so you're not going to get that bomb back. It's going to blow up and do its job. So those are... Physically speaking, assets that are expendable, bullets, bombs, but people, people expendable assets? Isn't that a little harsh? And this was the soldier himself saying it, but he was saying that was their mentality, that they're there to fight for their country. They're there to serve America. They're there to make a difference. They're there to help fight terrorism in Afghanistan if that was our mission. And if they come home alive, they're thrilled. But if they die in service, that was their job to get something accomplished. And I began to think, and I've thought about these things many a time, but thought afresh about how we should act and live as servants of the Lord who've been 
bought with the blood of Jesus, who've been cleansed with the blood of the Lamb, the Son of God took our place. The Son of God took our punishment on the cross, died for us that we could live. Now our sins are forgiven. If we die, we go to be with the Lord forever. And Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 7, you are bought with a price. You are not your own. Jesus says repeatedly in the Gospels, if you save your life, you lose it. If you lose your life for my sake in the Gospel, you find it. In order to follow him, you must deny yourself, take up the cross. So in that sense, we are the Lord's expendable assets. We're here to do the Master's will. We're here to touch the lost and make an impact regardless of cost or consequence. So Lord, here we are, send us, use us, and we know the one sending us is our loving, gracious, heavenly Father. All right, we come back. I want to take some calls and then revisit prophecies about Donald Trump. Are there prophecies saying that he'll have a second term? If so, does that mean that we should automatically vote for him if they're true prophecies? Are there such things as true prophecies today? We'll take it up. God of light, hear our cry, it's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. 866-348-7884. Michael Brown, delighted and blessed to be with you. Hey, friends, as we talk about military, as we talk about warfare, as we honor our veterans, as we talk about our lives following the Lord. Remember that Paul refers to some of his colleagues in the New Testament as fellow soldiers, and he calls Timothy to endure hardship as a good soldier of Messiah Jesus. There's a certain discipline that we're all to live by. There's a certain toughness that we're to have, maybe not on the outside, but certainly on the inside that says, I'm going to follow the Lord by his grace, do the right thing, stand against the wiles of the devil. And friends, we are in a battle. My Jezebel book that, that came out in, in August, and every time I share on the message, it's like electric. There, there's just something that's, that's happened with the book that, that's hit a nerve, that struck a chord. But almost every day I could add new evidence to back what's in the book about the spiritual warfare that we are in. I'm not afraid of the devil, but Paul writes to the Corinthians that we're not afraid of, uh, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And in order to withstand, we put on the armor of God. Do we even understand what that means, what that entails? Friends, we want to help you be equipped and strong to push back the works of darkness. And as God moves in America, the spiritual conflict is going to intensify big time. Yeah, very big time. Right, let's grab a couple of calls. 866-34-TRUTH. We start with Charles in Winston-Salem. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, how you doing today, Dr. Brown? Doing well, thank you, sir. Awesome, man. I had a uh, quick question, I guess, in regards to the military. How would you respond to a person or group who would say that God um, would prohibit uh, joining the military or war or having military action, such as like Jehovah Witnesses or other groups? And then, uh, I guess to piggyback off of that, I guess your answer does the Bible prohibit uh, someone joining the military or speak against it? That's it. Right. Right. So let's break this down. Does the New Testament ever explicitly address this and say, you shall not 
fight in the military, you shall not take up arms. No, it never, it never says that explicitly. On the other hand, we know that many early Christians would not serve in the military, at least in a capacity where they would be uh, fighting, okay? So we know there has been a debate about this in church history, and it's not just a fringe cult group like the Jehovah's Witnesses that holds to this view. So let's start here and say, if as a follower of Jesus— you felt that you had to be a conscientious objector and that you couldn't serve in the military, then you just have to take whatever consequences come your way, or it may be serving in a different way without, uh, without being in, in a combat situation. It might be in a, in a helping way, helping with, with victims of war or whatever. But that's between you and God. That's number one. Number two, we can point to John the Immerser, John the Baptist, in Luke 3, when he's preaching repentance, that soldiers come to him and he tells them not to extort and things like that. In other words, don't use your position to take advantage of others, but he doesn't tell them to leave the military. So that's an interesting concept. The third thing I'd point to is in Romans, the 13th chapter, it speaks of the the government and and God establishing earthly authorities. And the, the reason he establishes them is to fight against evil, and to, and to support good. And it says that the, that the governor doesn't bear the sword in vain. Now, that's not, uh, that's not directly military there. That could be all types of law enforcement. But it would be the same principle. Could you serve as a policeman if there's the possibility in the course of your work you might have to shoot someone, right? Uh, the same thing with being a soldier. In the course of your work, you might have to kill someone. But this person that you're killing is an enemy of the good. This person is threatening someone. So let's back it up and ask this question. If you're a married man with children and someone breaks into your house and they want to rape your wife and kidnap your children, and as, as they're going through the hallway thinking that you're asleep, you come up behind them with a baseball bat and hit them over the head and knock them out, would anyone say you did a wrong thing as a Christian? Or is the right thing to do to let the man rape your wife and kidnap your children? I, I don't know too many people that, that would say that's the right thing to do. So the Catholic Church has taught over the years different aspects of Protestant Church that there's such a thing as a just war and, and that there are wars where, say, the, the Allies fighting against the Nazis, that was a just war. The war against ISIS, trying to stop Islamic terrorism, that's a just war, so that you are doing good in participating. So in short, I do not find an explicit prohibition about serving in the military in the New Testament. I understand why some people feel to be conscientious objectors, and again, that's between them and God. But ultimately, I do not see a prohibition. And what if you were a soldier or a governor, or someone in law enforcement, you weren't saved, but then you got saved. Is there any indication that you would now have to leave your job because of that? Not that I see, because you're doing good in what you're doing. Again, everyone has to work it out between them and God, but that's my understanding. All right, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. You are very welcome, sir. Thanks. 866-34-TRUTH. I'm aware of church history, and I'm not saying that that the disciples of the apostles got things wrong and we're getting them right. Uh, but there has been debate about this through church history. And there are many fine Christians who serve in the military and have for decades and have helped 
make America and the world a better place. And there are others who say they couldn't serve in combat, but they serve the country in other ways to support what we're doing. Everyone has to work that out between them and God. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, we go to Washington. Jonathan, welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. So um, I, I have two questions, and I'll try to keep them both brief if, if two questions is okay. But they're both relating to the same subject. The first question is, um, see, I have a um, problem with uh, pornography, and uh, I've had it for some a little while now, and I was, I was wondering if I could get your advice on how to combat this thing. Yes, and the second question? Uh, my second question is, I'm actually in the early, sta- like the very, very, very early stages of like the, the, the past, of the ordination process. But if you've ever seen the statistics about how much pornography there, problems there are in the church here in the U.S., and I, I don't want to be a, I don't want to feed into that problem. So I was, I was wondering if like, um, if, if, if in your, your point of view, should I just like hold off of the ordination process until I can get this thing completely yeah. gone. Yeah, so, so Jonathan, without, without asking too many personal questions, let, let me respond, and you'll, you'll fill in the blanks for yourself as to where you are in the process. But if you were addicted to porn, if this is something that you are falling prey to on a, on a daily basis, uh, it, it's, it's dominating a part of your life, then by all means... You need to find freedom before you would go ahead with any type of ordination. You would not want to be addicted to pornography and have hands laid on you, set apart for ministry, and then say to others, follow me as I follow Jesus, or watch my life and let me be an example of godly living for you, which any leader should seek to do. Now, obviously, no one could know our every thought and our private lives, and and none of us claim to be perfect. But we do not want to be enslaved to, to a fleshly sin. For example, the requirements for elders in First Timothy, the third chapter, said that they can't be addicted to much wine, right? So you do not want to be a slave to fleshly passions. Uh, and, and porn is, is a terrible problem right now, so available, so ubiquitous, so addicting, so powerful, so destructive. So the good news is that you can be free. That just as there are terrible stats about porn addiction, there are wonderful stats about people getting set free, living new lives by the Holy Spirit living within you, by renewing your mind according to the Word of God, by getting to some of the root causes of porn, by setting other things in place in your own life, you can really experience freedom and victory. What I'd encourage you to do is just type in the word Conqueror Series online. Conqueror Series. If you want to add the word porn, that's fine. To make sure you get the right place. But this is one of the most effective and popular means right now of, of helping men, I imagine women as well, get free from pornography. Uh, I, I just, when I saw your question on the screen, I just went there to, to click to make sure I had the right site. I believe there's a trial where you can look at some of the material, check it out, and then say, hey, I, I want to make this investment. It's not some mega expensive thing, but to take the classes, to go through the series, the teaching, to, to, to work out things in your own life, to analyze, okay, what's the root of this? And when you find the root of it, you find freedom. And uh, 
I've, I've talked to grads from a ministry school who've told me, yeah, they struggled. They actually became addicted to porn. And once they got to the root of the issues, once they changed aspects of their lifestyle, once they reprogrammed their thinking and their relationship to computer and whatever they were doing, they found wonderful, lasting freedom. So check out Conqueror Series. In my Jezebel book, in the chapter on porn, we give a list of resources, free resources, books you can buy, video series you can watch. The Conqueror series is one of the most effective today. I don't know all about the contents of it. I haven't looked at it myself. Uh, it's probably good to know uh, for everybody the principles that they teach. But check that out. And, and then, uh, as, you, as you know, in this area of your life, doesn't mean you're perfect for life, but it means that you have mastery here. This doesn't have mastery over you. You have mastery over it in Jesus. Then move ahead with being ordained. All right, we'll be right back. Play some clips from you back in 2007. Are they prophecies about Donald Trump's presidency? Stay right here. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. Donald Trump as president. Was this something that was prophesied years ago? Was this something that God spoke to get our attention so that when it happened, as unlikely as it seemed, we would recognize that this was the hand of God? And has the Lord told us in advance that Donald Trump will serve for two terms? And if that is the case, how then should we vote? Should that influence our voting? If, in fact, there was a legitimate prophecy spoken today that Donald Trump would be a two-term president, does that mean we should automatically vote for him? Or do we not vote at all because God's going to bring it to pass, however he brings it to pass? How do we sort these things out? Uh, Let me share with you a number of books that have been written about the Trump presidency. And then I want to play some clips going back to 2007, so 12 years ago, that seemed to point to the Trump presidency. Uh, Look at some of these book titles. Uh, How about this? Uh, Mark Taylor, The Trump Prophecies, and this is an analysis of what has been spoken and what is coming next. Uh, Mark Taylor, fireman who had prophecies about Trump years back, and now, okay, what's happened? People say it's a 100% track record. What's coming next? All right, we, we shall see. Uh, Lance Wall now wrote a book, and the, the book became a bestseller. Uh, every, he was just shocked. Boom, it took off. God's Chaos Candidate, Donald J. Trump and the American Unraveling. And, and he spoke about Trump being elected before it happened, and as likely as it seemed, and that God was going to use him as, quote, God's chaos candidate for the unraveling of America. And then Jeremiah Johnson had prophecies about Trump, didn't hardly even knew who he was when he prophesied about him. And recent book, Trump, 2019 and beyond. And then others, uh, like Stephen Strang, journalist and colleague Stephen Strang, has written uh, a book that's about to come out in January, God, Trump, 
and the 2020 election. And, and he says why he must win and what's at stake for Christians if he loses. So he's saying, yeah, this is big, that Christians need to be voting for Donald Trump and that his election is very important for Christian liberty and for the future of America. On the flip side, you have evangelicals like Never Trumper Ben Howe. And he wrote the book, The Immoral Majority, Why Evangelicals Chose Political Power Over Christian Values, and Why It Was Wrong for Evangelicals to Vote for Trump and Then Defend His Character when during the Clinton presidency, we were shouting, character counts, character counts, morality matters. Now with the Trump presidency, we're saying, hey, well, we're electing a president, not a pope. I weighed in with a book that came out right before the last elections. Donald Trump is not my savior. An evangelical leader speaks his mind about the man he supports as president. So I voted for Donald Trump as president, and I support him as president. But he's not my savior. He gets my vote, not my heart, not my soul, not my life. Well, what about the prophecies, though? What if Mark Taylor had a real prophecy or Lance Walnut had a real prophecy or Jeremiah Johnson had a real prophecy that Trump would be elected? Does that mean we should therefore vote for him? Or was he raised up to bring judgment on America and to expose the hypocrisy of the church? Or is he raised up to stand for our liberties? And, and as much as he can be obnoxious and stubborn and, and, and you don't like things he does or decisions he makes, you, you need a bull in a china shop to fight all the demonic forces coming against him and the, the, the existential threat coming to America. And how do we sort this out? So let's go back to 2007. This is April 4th, 2007. So 12 years ago. A prophetic word from South African leader Kim Clement. Says the Lord. No, you didn't hear me. Trump shall become a trumpet. Are you listening to me? I will raise up the Trump to become a trumpet and Bill Gates to open up the gate of a financial realm for the church, says the Spirit of the living God. Come on! All right, now, if there's a prophecy about Bill Gates, we shall see what happens. Prophecies can take time to unfold. And every New Testament prophecy must be tested, tested by the Word, tested by whether it comes to pass or not, tested by other factors. So everything must be tested, everything must be judged. Paul writes that in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5. And we test everything, we hold fast to that which is good. At the same time, we don't put out the Spirit's fire. We don't despise prophecies. In fact, Paul encourages seeking the gift of prophecy. That's not adding to the Bible. There are many prophecies God's spoken through the ages in Bible times and after Bible times that are not adding to the Bible. The Bible is what it is, God's Word, and, and it does what it does, and there is nothing in its category, period, end of subject, all right? But it's, it's striking. It's interesting, 12... Years ago, Trump will be a Trump. Who's Donald Trump? Who in the world was Donald Trump? Who was even thinking about Donald Trump on a political level then? Or being, yeah, sure, he'll be the next president. Sure, he'll be a champion of religious freedom. Sure, he'll be a pro-life champion. Sure, he'll, he'll push back against world forces seeking to attack our liberty. Sure, Donald Trump. I mean, nobody's thinking that. All right, so same service. This is another clip from Kim Clement continuing this prophetic word. 
it shall come to pass that the man that I place in the highest office shall go in whispering my name but God said when he enters into the office he will be shouting out by the power of the spirit for I shall fill him with my spirit when he goes into office and there will be a praying man in the highest seat in your land now what's interesting is you could look at that and say well he doesn't seem to be a praying man from what we know right now a lot of people around him praying He's surrounded by more evangelicals than any president in memory and has kept the door open to those evangelicals. Evangelicals helped get Ronald Reagan elected, but then many of those evangelicals had the doors closed in terms of access to the White House and influence once he was in. But the the lines of communication have remained open with Donald Trump, Hispanic leaders, black leaders, white leaders, Asian leaders, different Christian leaders in America. They've had ongoing access to the president, met with him, strategized with him on numbers of different issues, pray for him, you know, Bible study with cabinet members, strong evangelical, you know, Secretary of State Pompeo, Vice President Pence. So he's had praying people around him. Is he a praying man? Well, not to my knowledge yet, not what I can tell yet. But here's something even more interesting. This is 2013, so this is still before there was any talk of Donald Trump becoming the president, all right? This is 2013. Again, a word from Kim Clement. A man by the name of Mr. Clark, and there is also another man by the name of Donald. You are both watching me saying, could it be that God's speaking to me? Yes, he is. Somebody, just a few minutes before you came on the show, you went out and you took the American flag and you said, I'm proud of my nation. You raised it up. And God said, you have been determined through your prayers to influence this nation. You're watching me. You're an influential person. The Spirit of God says, hear the word of the prophet to you as a king. I will open that door that you prayed about. And when it comes time for the election, you will be elected. All right. So a Donald. I'm sure the different Donalds that have run for office. That was 2013. But check this one out. One more from 2007. These are all from Kim Clement, and there's been recent discussion about these with 2020 elections coming up. This one now, last one from 2007. There will be a praying president, not a religious one. But I will fool the people, says the Lord. I will fool the people. Yes, I will. God says, the one that is chosen shall go in and they shall say he has hot blood for the spirit of God says yes he may have hot blood but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way and the economy of this country shall change rapidly says the Lord of hosts listen to the word of the Lord God says I will put at your helm for two terms a president that will pray but he will not be a praying president when he starts i will put him in office and then i will baptize him with the holy spirit and my power says the lord of hosts come on okay could that be a description of donald trump he has hot blood i'll fool the people he won't be a religious man he won't go in praying but he'll be praying once he's in he'll be in for two terms I'll baptize him in the spirit. Could it be? Here's my answer. It could well be. These could all be genuine prophetic words, among others, predicting the presidency of Donald Trump. I remember a a skeptic, a critic, was really pressing me 
before the 2016 elections and saying, so if Trump is not elected, will you admit different prophecies about him being president were false? I said, of course I will. And I hadn't given a prediction myself. I said, of course, yes, if they explicitly said he'll be elected president and he isn't, then I will say they were false. And I said to him, if he is elected, because he was saying there's no way it's going to happen. It's absolutely not going to happen. I said, if he is elected, will you acknowledge they were true prophecies? Of course, he never did that. In any case, here's the bottom line. I am not casting my vote based on prophecies. I'm casting my vote based on principles, not prophecies, but principles, not prophecies, but policies. That's what I'm casting my vote on. So I find these prophecies fascinating. And if, in fact, Donald Trump is elected to a second term, all the more would I be pressing in and saying, God, make this man into a prayer. I'd be praying that anyway. But all the more, Lord, if you're speaking this, then bring it to pass. Prophetic prayer is often when you take hold of a prophetic word, say written in Scripture or something God's promised you. You're going to have children or something, and you pray it back to God. Lord, you spoke this. Lord, you promised this. Lord, I believe you. All right? But I'm not going to vote based on prophecies. I'm going to vote based on principles and based on policies. And I encourage you to do the same thing. In other words, the prophecy is showing that God knows what's going to happen in advance. The prophecy is God declaring something so we recognize what he's doing and our eyes are better open to it. But unless it's your prophetic word, like from Jesus, flee Jerusalem when you see certain things, otherwise it's telling us what's going to happen and helping us pray and understand accordingly. But don't, cast, don't either not vote because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Or, well, I better vote for him because it's prophesied. No, you make your decision based on principles, based on policies. That's how you vote. The prophecies will take care of themselves. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for tuning in today. 866-348-7884. Looking at... A question from Linda that was just tweeted, how has Trump stood for the unborn? There are as many abortions now as then and wasn't Planned Parenthood funding approved. Linda, first, throughout the country, President Trump is appointing pro-life attorneys, and he's appointed two to the Supreme Court thus far. This has massive implications. A second thing is he has specifically shut down funding for Planned Parenthood in different ways, all right? And the third thing is that he has been an active voice on behalf of the pro-life movement, as has Mike Pence. These things, you don't see an instant statistical difference, all right? You don't see an, an instant, oh, just overnight the thing happens, but you will see a steady decrease in abortions with these policies and further squeezing of Planned Parenthood, for sure. All right, um, Everybody that is watching on social media right now, 
So all, all of you listening on the radio, keep listening, listening on podcasts, keep listening. But all of you who are watching on social media, I just want to talk to you heart to heart for a minute. Can I do that? So over the weekend, I saw these big announcements about, uh, about uh, this boxing match that was going to be happening over the weekend. KSI versus Paul Logan, match number two. I had no idea what it was about. I follow things in the sports world. I'll chill, you know, listening, watching certain things, reading certain things, etc. I had no idea who this was, what was it, what it was about. So I get online to read a little bit more. You know, if it had been major boxers, I'd know their names and so on and what was going on, but didn't know about this. So it just showed my ignorance of certain aspects of social media, KSI being one of the biggest, if not biggest, social media stars in UK, and Paul Logan the same in the States, you know, with tens of millions of followers. And they had apparently had a boxing match, they're not professionals, but a boxing match, you know, this grudge match between them, and now they had a, another one, and it was going to be Saturday night. So I, I'm, I'm watching some of this as they're showing footage and they're getting ready for the fight and all this. And, and you know, one of them had at that moment, this is the preliminary before the thing even starts. They're just, it's a live stream, right? And, you know, one of them has 170,000 actively watching on YouTube and the other 150,000, whatever the numbers were. I mean, it's staggering. I mean, this means that over the course of the night that millions and millions and millions and millions of people are tuning in. And again, it's just the power of the Internet. So, so we're uh, on Facebook. We we have about six hundred thousand followers, but we're very active, and there are people with several million, even even four or five million, and we reach more every week on Facebook than they do. So I, I love the fact that you're so engaged. That's awesome. On YouTube, we have uh, almost a hundred thousand subscribers now on our S. Doctor Brown YouTube channel. So S. Doctor Brown on Facebook, S. Doctor Brown on YouTube. Almost almost a hundred thousand subscribers there. And we put out a bunch of videos every week, but there, there's some folks with maybe 120,000 subscribers, but they get millions of people watching their videos. And then there are people, just nobody you ever knew before. You know what I'm saying? Just nobody that anybody knew outside their neighborhood. And now they have 1 million, 3 million, 5 million, 8 million subscribers. And so there's, there's, there is this amazing, extraordinary social media door that's open. And it, it's open for us right here. Right, it's it's open for us. The sky is the limit. So I, I want you to pray with us. I am here on the radio. I am here in this live video stream. I write articles every day, most every day. I write books and work on a book every day, travel and speak most weekends of the year. I'm doing that not to fulfill some need in me or to build up my ego or to scratch some itch or because I've got nothing else to do. But we are here to help you, to impact you, to serve you. We are here to stir you. We're here to equip. We're here to tackle the controversies. I'll be their lightning rod. That's my calling. All right? I mean, you ask me an innocent question on the radio, I answer it. Next thing, it creates an internet firestorm. And how, how dare, Brown, you're a heretic. And how dare you say you're, you're of the devil. It's like, I didn't even know it was a controversy. I was just giving an honest answer based on Scripture. That's my calling. And our team, that's how we're wired as a team, will be the lightning rod for the criticism, for the attack, for the controversy, and by God's grace, serve you with an answer that's grounded in Scripture, with an answer that's full of compassion and full of the Spirit, with an answer that is practical and clear and uncompromising to help equip you, because you have your world. 
You have your battlegrounds, whether you're on a college campus or in the workplace or in your neighborhood or in your family or, or alone in your prayer room. You're, you're on the front, we're all on the front lines in one way or another. And our calling is to be your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Our calling is to equip you, to strengthen you, to help you, to challenge you, to edify you, to say to you, hey, and against to everybody listening in, in any way, watching in any way, go for it. Make a difference. Time is short. You say, are you predicting the end of the world? No, I'm saying we got one life. One life. If, if the world went on for a thousand years after us or for 10 years after we're gone, we still just have one life, one race to run, one fight to fight, one opportunity to make our lives count for the Lord. So I, I want to urge you, go for it and pray for us that God would amplify our voice. What we're doing right now, if we reach a million or two million people in a week, God knows how many we actually reach over the, the course of a week between radio, between live streaming on social media, between our articles and, and other materials that we get out. God knows how many people we reach. Maybe it's in the millions. To, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but the same way we're doing this with God's grace and just something, the Holy Spirit breathing on something, saying it's time to get this message out. It's time for time for this to go viral. Time for you to have a million subscribers. And again, the, the numbers are utterly immaterial. God can save with one, okay? But those are millions more people we can reach. You know how many people interact with us on YouTube every week that hate me, that hate our message, that hate what you and I stand for, that profoundly differ but they're watching the videos and they're commenting. I'm glad they're there. That's why we're, we're reaching them. You know when people on Facebook follow us from a distance and don't agree? I'm, I'm talking about Orthodox Jews that will interact and write to me privately and say, hey, I admire what you're doing and I've learned a lot from you, even though I don't believe exactly as you believe. And on and on and on it goes. Can I remind you that when my mom passed away about three years ago, and we were doing the funeral in New Jersey, that the cemetery, the Jewish cemetery, called the rabbi. My sister asked if we could have a reformed rabbi there, so that's a, a liberal rabbi. I said, I'm, I'm happy to do a ceremony for mom. And she, and she said, no, no, I want to have a rabbi there. I said, great. So I get, a call from, from the, I get a call from the rabbi saying the cemetery called him in New Jersey and said, are you okay with doing this funeral? It's for Dr. Michael Brown's mother. And he said, I don't get the connection. What's the problem? They said, this is Dr. Michael Brown. It's his mother. I mean, that's how well-known our Jewish outreach work is in the Jewish world, that the cemetery, the Jewish cemetery, called the rabbi. And the rabbi said, oh, I have no problem at all. I, I, yeah, I know who he is. I do interfaith weddings and ceremonies and service. I have no problem whatsoever. And he calls me to tell me, he goes, actually, Dr. Brown, I listen to you on the radio every day. This is when we were on New York City. Blanket in New York City. He said, I listen to you on the radio every day, and if I miss the show, I get the podcast. I thought, you got to be kidding me. I get online to find out more about this rabbi. I find out he's a pioneer gay rabbi, and that's the man who officiated at my mom's funeral service. And we spent time together. We've interacted since then. I said, you know exactly who I am, exactly what I believe. You, you know that, and, and I know who you are. I said, and here we are as fellow human beings to, to honor my mom and I said, I think I should write an article about this. It's a story that needs to be told. I said, because in the midst of our differences, we're commanded to love our neighbor and committed to do that. 
And he said, absolutely. And I wrote the article and sent it to him, and he, and he liked it. All that to say, there are a whole lot of people that listen. There are a whole lot of people that watch. But we want to reach 10 times more, 100 times more. I am on my face crying out to God. My team is on an ongoing basis. Here's how you can help us. Three things to do, all right? Number one, pray that God would amplify our voice. Just during a show, when you're listening, say, God, amplify Dr. Brown's voice because I want to be your voice so that together we can speak to tens of millions every single day. Pray that, God, amplify my voice. Second thing, second thing, tell a friend, share the video, tell them tune in on the radio, share the podcast, tell your friend, share it. If we blessed you, share it with others. And then third, join our support team. If you want to specifically team with us to help us to get more resources out, produce more cutting-edge video, all right? Join us. Become a monthly supporter on Patreon. And this is something almost everybody can do. It's just $10 or more per month. That's like 30-something cents a day. I know some budget's really tight, but I believe if you step out and honor the Lord because it's God's work, he'll honor you as well, and he'll meet your need. And some of you can give 10 times that without even thinking twice. So go to patreon.com forward slash ASKDR Brown. Patreon.com forward slash ASKDR Brown. And every single week, you get two bonus videos. You get the archived YouTube chats once they're up, and then an extra bonus video. I've gone through the entire book of Hebrews. I'm going through 1 John now. You get these bonus videos that we bless you with. So Become a Patreon supporter. I'd love to see a hundred of you join us today. Patreon.com forward slash Ask Dr. Brown. And every dime that comes in there goes right back out to produce more cutting edge material to bless and change lives. All right, friends, join me 15 minutes from now. 15 minutes, we've got our next YouTube chat at Ask Dr. Brown, the YouTube channel. Ask Dr. Brown on YouTube, back with a Q&A chat, and back with you here on the radio tomorrow.